0: You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at Nurse.org. So um, you may notice we're doing something a little bit different. And what we're doing now is we are actually incorporating more of your questions. You guys like will message me through Instagram, through Facebook, through Twitter, or send an email or through nurse.org. And you guys have these questions. You guys actually have really amazing questions. And I try to get to many, as many of them as possible. Um, and we thought, you know what, these would be great questions to share with others. I mean, I respond to you guys directly, but, you know, let's share these questions with the larger audience. And so I want to, you know, do my best at keeping the identity of people anonymous, but sharing the content of their question is going to be great for everyone. And they said, Hi, Nurse Alice. Um, I've been a nurse for two years working on a med search unit, and I'm just starting to get more comfortable with patients, but I get frustrated with all the call lights going off. I can't be in all these places at one time, like it's crazy. Uh, Yet some of my performance as a nurse is evaluated like based on my responsiveness. Where's the call light for the nurses when we need help? That was a great question, you know, and I really wish there was a call light for us um, because listen, your girl would be using it for real, for real. But I think it's also real important that as I address this question, Um, I kinda wanna do a little bit of review about the whole call light system. I mean, many of us know what it is, right? When patients need assistance, there's a call light system that they're supposed to use, right? But interestingly enough, patient call light usage and nurse responsiveness to call lights hasn't really been studied. And the two have been intertwined concepts, uh, which supposedly, allegedly, right, are supposed to contribute to patient safety and quality care While they are in the hospital or they're in a nursing home, but little research has really been done to say that call lights decrease the number of falls. Which we hear that a lot, right? If you answer the answer call lights real quickly, or the patient's going to fall. There's actually not been a lot of study to support that. You know, sad to say. I mean, there are small studies here and there, but quite honestly, there's been no major study that says answering call lights more rapidly decreases the number of Falls. Now we know that it, call lights are essential because many patients spend time in their rooms and the only way that they can get the attention of healthcare staff is by using the call light because many times they're in the bed, they're not feeling well. And partially we don't want them to get up without calling for help, right? Because we don't want them to fall, but they also call for other things, right? They, don't, they call because they have a question, they call because their family's here, they call because, you know, they want... Uh, Their IVs beeping. Like there are so many different reasons why patients use a call light system. I don't know if this has been your experience, but my experience is that any patient is everyone's patient. So if I'm at work and a call light goes off, I'm not going to bypass one I'm like, oh, that's my patient. That's not my patient's room. I'm not answering. Any patient is everyone's patient. So sometimes we find ourselves answering call lights of patients that we don't necessarily know. We don't know what's going on with them. Um, but we answer the call light just to be responsive to assess what their need is and so that they feel like someone's addressing their need. But that can be challenging too because some nurses feel like answering all of these call lights can be disruptive to their ability to actually provide the care that they are supposed to provide. So, reasons for call light use, some of the top reasons why people use our call lights, and at least 90%. Uh, participants in this particular study that was done at Biomed Central said that 90% of participants' use the call lights were for pain medication and management. Uh, That was the most identified reason. Uh, Number two was for bathroom assistance. Three was for IV problems or their pump alarming. Four was for personal assistance. Five, they accidentally pressed the call light. And six was for repositioning or transfer. So those are some of the reasons why people use the call light. But I also want to mention that, you know, there are different call lights out there, you know, many of them, there's a call light, it has like the lights and the the television radio, uh, speaker and all that stuff connected to it. And there's like a big red button with a cross on it or a picture of a, a nurse and says, we always say push this button. If you need assistance, it'll call for the nurse. And I think it's important that that call light, while we orient patients to it and put it close by for them to use, we have to recognize that there are some people who need a different call light or cannot use the call light. So, for example, we know that there are patients who are cognitively or physically unable to use a call light. Maybe they're comatose or unresponsive in a persistent vegetative state. So, they are not able to use the call light. Uh, and some actually have physical limitations that prevent them. Maybe they don't have the dexterity. Maybe their fingers have been amputated. Maybe they're you know, in casts or splints or things that limit their ability to press the call light. So they're not able to use it. And then there are some people where while they may have a limitation on the traditional call light, there are other call lights that you can use. So I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but let's say you have someone who's physically not able to push a call light button. There's something called the snake. I think that's what it's called. At least it looks like a snake. It actually looks like a big curvy straw. And what happens is it gets connected to the call light system and a patient is able to put their lips around it and below, and that can trigger a call light. So if you have someone who's maybe a quadriplegic, but is alert and able to talk to you and responsive, cognitively aware, they could use something like that. Um, If you don't have that, there's also a different type of call light where it looks like a, a soft pad where you can put it on, let's say someone has very limited movement, but they can apply pressure by turning their head. So if they're like laying on a pillow, they could push down and apply pressure to this pad that's maybe on their pillow and they can use their cheek to push on it. um, And that pressure can trigger the call light. So there are those type of call lights too. So I think it's real important that when we're talking about call lights, yes, sometimes it can feel like the call lights are going off crazy and we can feel like we're not able to get done the things we need to do. But I think it's important that we understand what our patients using the call lights for. So I talked about why they're using call lights. I talked about different types of call lights that exist. And sometimes there are patients who can't use a call light. And so again, the person who, you know, had this question said, you know, where's a call light for the nurse when we need help? We don't have a call light, unfortunately. And sometimes we can go to work. It can be very busy on our unit. We could be short staff. We can have very just needy patients that day. Maybe a lot's going on and it feels like the call lights are going off and we can't turn off the call light. Let's just be clear about that. You can't turn off the call lights and you can't ignore the call lights. Although sometimes when it comes to call light responsiveness, it can feel like to the patient that we're ignoring them. Now, listen, sometimes I've been able to answer a call light real quick, fast, in a hurry, like less than a minute. Boom, I'm there. There are other times I've actually been with another patient and I'm not able to answer a call light. So most systems allow for the call light to go. When the patient triggers the call light, there is usually a light above the door that goes off. Quite honestly, I I really believe many people ignore this, but if you don't, there's usually a, call, a light that goes off at the top of the door. And then there it's routed to usually like a, a clerk or unit secretary who can say, hi, Mr. So-and-so, what can I help you with? And it's a way to kind of triage what the necessity is. That way the patient feels like, One, that someone's attentive and responsive to their needs. They get someone right away. And then it also gives the clerk an opportunity to assess and triage what the patient's needs are. So, for example, if the patient needs to get up and go to the bathroom and needs assistance, that is something that can go to either the nurse or the nursing assistant or the EMT, the tech or someone else on the unit if it is more of a medication or IV issue then we know that the nurse needs to be the one to go in there or they might say you know what I really want to talk to the doctor um that's an opportunity for the clerk to say you know what I'm going to let the nurse know and that you want to speak to the doctor and we'll find out when the doctor's coming in we'll let you know so there's an opportunity where maybe in that situation no one actually needs to come to the room but we can address their need and further investigate and get the answer that they need before going in so You know, doing that has been very helpful. And now some places have Voicera where it's like literally you're wearing it around your neck. Sometimes people have earpieces, but you have Voicera to kind of help you with this as well. So we can communicate more quickly and triage the needs of patients and get to those patients sooner who might have higher priority needs. Perhaps you have someone who needs to go to the restroom. You know, absolutely that they're a fall risk because they have a broken leg or something like that. And they actually need someone to go in right away. But sometimes when someone says they need to go to the bathroom, you may know that, okay, you know what? They're pretty steady on their feet. PT worked with them. They may be okay to go to the restroom by themselves. But the key point there is that you know your patients. So even though we don't necessarily have a call light for ourselves, I will say this. Sometimes we're short staff and we don't have enough people to go in there. Um, sometimes we have multiple things going on at one particular time and that can suck. Um, so it's really important that you know your patients and that you're able to knowing your patients, you'll be able to triage what their needs are. So like, for example, what I would tell someone is, you know, when upon arrival on your shift, get a good report and get to know your patient, you know, early on the shift, go in, assess your patients, talk to them about what the plan of care is going to be, ask them if they have any questions. And this is also your opportunity to make sure, because again, a lot of this, Some, most people say you got to answer the call light real quickly because you want to prevent them from falling. But there are other reasons why people push the call light. So this is your opportunity to make sure that the bed is in the lowest position. The call light's within reach. The table, the patient table is close by with maybe refreshed water, snacks, or whatever they need to snack on. Um, It's also an opportunity for you to assess their pain and their toileting. So if they need assistance and you're there, you can help them right away. And then also while you're there, manage things up. So as you're talking about what the plan of care is going to be, let them know, I will be back in a little bit later um, to give your meds and treatments. I'm going to do an assessment and say hello to everyone and get everyone's plan of care, you know, discuss the plan of care with everyone. And then I'll come back um, with medications and treatments and I will check on you then. But if you're asleep, just know that I'm not going to wake you up while you're sleeping because there are some people that'll say that no one ever came in my room. No one ever checked on me, but this is the patient who was asleep every time you came in, Right. So if you usually, if you do something like that and you manage up, patients can be less likely to actually push the call light because they know that you're coming back. And here's the thing, though. Once you do that, arrange your care. So like, let's say you've done all your assessments, you got meds, some IVs to hang, treatments to give and stuff like that. When you go into your patient's rooms, well, let me say this. One of the things that I found that works well with me is I assess who has perhaps like the more timely or greater need, or like who, like for example, let's say I have a patient who has a trach and periodically needs to be suctioned. And then I have someone who's alert and oriented, but might need some help to go to the bathroom. Well, I'm going to prioritize airway, honestly, right? So I'm going to see my patient who has a trach, give their meds, treatments. I'm going to take the opportunity to assess if they need to be suctioned at that time. I'm not going to wait for the patient to be pushing their call light before they call me in to suction them because Sometimes you don't know if a patient needs to be sucked. you don't just let me ask you this. How do you know your patient needs to be suctioned? Are you waiting for them to be coughing, 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 sputum out there, out there tracheostomy? Are you waiting for them to desaturate? Are you waiting for their respirations or their heart rate to go up? Are you waiting for them to look uncomfortable and look like they can't breathe? No, you need to assess their lungs and then if they're alert enough, ask them you're like, "Do you need to be suctioned?" I want you to, and if they said no, not right now, I'd say, "Okay, well, I want you to take a couple deep breaths and cough for me." real quick and see if you might be able to immobilize anything. And if you can say, you know what? It might be a good idea to suction you right now. How about that? What do you, what do you think? But at least they know that you're assessing them and that they feel cared for. And then, you know what? You're in there. Let's take the opportunity to suction and you can get that done while you're there. Um, And then again, you know, manage up, say, you know what? I've given all your meds. You've been suctioned. You need to go to the restroom. Okay. No. How's your pain? Okay. Pain is comfortable. Okay, great. Let's get you repositioned for comfort. Everything's close by. I'll be back in a little bit to check on you. Again, if you're asleep, I'm not going to wake you up. But if you do need something before then, please push the call light. Never discourage someone from pushing the call light and never make someone feel like they're a burden for pushing the call light. Guys, please, please don't ever do that. But after I've seen that patient with the airway, then I'm going to go see the patient who is going to need the next amount of help. And usually those that are the most independent, I usually see them last. Right. It's not because I don't want to see them, but it's because I may need to address some of these more basic hygiene, functional needs in people who need more help than those who are independent. So then I'll go see the patient who, you know, who maybe has a broken leg and needs help to go to the bathroom, give their meds, give their treatments. And then, you know, say, you know, I'm here with you now, you know, I'd like to help you to the bathroom and maybe we can try some toileting. Let's get you up out of bed, a little exercise, gives me a chance to assess your, you know, your um, ambulation. So it gives me some information to report to the doctor. You can word it a a little differently, right? Word it, word it to work, y'all, word it to work. Okay. But you're in there, let's get it done and then have them go, right? And then great, you're getting so much information from their ability to walk. You know, are they dizzy when they stand up? They've helped gone to go into the bathroom. Maybe they've had a bowel movement, you know, but get them comfortable. Get them, you know, hygiene, get them back in the bed. Say, you know what? I've given you your medications. I've given you your treatments. i have gotten you to the bathroom. You know, water's here, snacks are here. Is there anything? How's your pain? Is there anything else I can get you right now? Any questions? When you manage up, when you assess those things, it makes them feel heard and cared for. And when you say, okay, well, great. Now that I've got you settled for a little bit, I'm going to go check on some of my other patients, but I will be back to check on you. But if you're asleep, I won't wake you up. Okay. But just want you to know that I will be checking on you. All right. All right. Say it with a smile. Y'all say it with a smile because they, patients love that. They want to feel like you're being attentive and they're not a burden. Okay. So once you do that, then you go to the next patient. And I have found that has been one of the. Saving graces for me when it comes to patients and call lights. Now, mind you, these are the patients that I know of and that I can take care of. So obviously, my group is squared away. But if all nurses did this, then it could likely overall limit all the call lights on the unit, right? So you wouldn't necessarily be having to race and run and answer someone else's patient's call light, and then you're like, "Hi, how can I help you?" and not know anything about the patient. So assessing your patient. Managing up and anticipating their needs is going to be one great way on how to minimize your patient on the call light. Now, will it eliminate it? Absolutely not. But will it minimize it? Absolutely. And your patients will feel attentive. And even if they do push the call light and let's say you're not able to get in there for five minutes, 10 minutes, at least they know that you're someone who comes in and addresses all of these Key basic needs and functions and stuff like that, they'll understand that, okay, you didn't just not come in because you're being lazy. You don't want to take care of me, but you're probably very busy because I know every other time you come in, you're asking me, Do I need all these things? You're making me feel heard. You're making me feel comfortable. So they'll be a little more grace because we all have had those patients, right? They're like, Oh, the nurse didn't answer my call live for 30 minutes. And then you go back and look and you're like, Sir, it was 15. Stop over exaggerating because there are patients that are like that. There definitely are patients that are like that. Now, it sounds like the nurse who sent this inquiry in is having a lot of call lights happening, right? I have to be honest, times where I've seen this happen the most, even to myself, if I've started my shift on the wrong foot and I've not done these things that I was just telling you to do to minimize your call lights, I find myself running around with like a chicken with my head cut off. I am chasing things. So, like, I'll leave, I'll give a medication, leave a room, and then, like, a couple minutes later, it's like, oh, so and so needs some water. Oh, so and so wants to go to the bathroom. Oh, they're having pain. But it's when you don't do that assessment, like making sure you go every time you go, do you need to use the bathroom? How's your pain? Is there anything else I can get you? Any water, snacks, stuff like that. Whatever. But when you address all those basic functional needs, there really isn't much more to ask. There really isn't, other than, like, when's the doctor coming or what did the doctor say? What are my results? Um, and again, you can actually get ahead of that by saying, you know what? I know we you are you had an MRI earlier. You had an MRI earlier today. We don't have the results in. Doctor hasn't been in. I haven't seen the results yet. But uh, once I get a moment, I'm going to gather all that information. And when the doctor comes, he can go over those things with you. But perhaps I can give you some preliminary information once I've looked at that. But if you address that, you let them know that you haven't even looked at it yet. They're not going to ask you for it because they know that you haven't seen it yet. But this takes communication. And I think some nurses don't do this because they feel like if they communicate these things that the patient's going to think, oh, you don't know anything. No, I'm being honest. And the truth is, well, shit, I don't know it. So there. (laughs) okay? like, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm here to take care of you. Let me try my best to take care of you. And some of these other things, things that are not basic functional needs can't wait, unless it has to do with airway, breathing, circulation hygiene, nutrition, or pain, it's usually something that can wait a little bit. So don't beat yourself up about it. And then when it comes to this call lights, listen, we've all been there. Some days you're like, shit, I can't do nothing. Like these call lights keep ringing and I'm not able to do my care. And I want to challenge you to change your perspective on that and think of the call light as a tool to help you. Right. I know you're like, whatever, but I'm just saying Otherwise, you're gonna be stuck in this negative state. And with, you know, you're gonna be nursing for quite some time. We might as well try to reframe our thinking and position ourselves in a way where we're not going to be hating come to coming to the job. We're not gonna hate the sound of call lights because nobody wants to go to work when you hate everything. So let's reframe this. How can I make the call light more of a use for me and minimize the patient's use of it until it's absolutely necessary? And a lot of that, again, I guess say guys, is at really knowing your patients, managing up, anticipating their needs and having, you know, addressing all those functional things as much as possible and letting them know, I'm going to come back and check on you in a little bit. I'm just going to go check on everyone, but I'll be back. But if you're asleep when I come back, I won't wake you up. That also lets them know that, you know, maybe they they came in when I was asleep. So they're not thinking, "Oh, the nurse didn't check on me at all this shift." Cuz we hate that, right? We know that you're busting your butt, you're doing your best. And outside of this, I think it's also important that you talk to your colleagues and your manager, perhaps at a staff meeting, or at a unit practice council, to talk about how many call lights are we getting every shift, guys? How many call lights are we getting? What are they calling for? Let's do maybe a little mini study on to see, like, what are our patients asking for when they call? And then you can tally that data and you can see for yourself, like, okay, over 90% of these are toileting. Then y'all need to institute some type of pilot, toileting pilot where maybe there is a team of people that go around a certain period of time and they toilet everyone. I mean, I'm, that's just a suggestion, but those are things to look at. Or if some people are calling for pain medication, maybe it says like, okay, the, all the surgical patients from ortho are call on the call lights. Like what's happening? Why is pain not being better managed? What else can we do? Maybe it's the type of orders that they're getting like, okay, these orals aren't working or maybe they need to be on their PCA pump a little bit longer Or maybe there needs to be a PCA pump during the night shift so they can sleep better. Like there's not even just the night shift, but even the day, right? But there are just so many things. But, you know, this is all stuff that we have to work through. Instead of just getting upset and mad about the call light system, while we do need more staff, right? That absolutely, hands down, we need more staff. Sometimes in addition to that staff, sometimes we're not going to get it. And we got to be work smarter with what we have. And working smarter requires us to approach the problem a little bit differently. So. No, I don't necessarily have a call light for you, but the tips that I've just shared with you, hopefully, well, one, not only make you a better clinician, also help shift your mindset so you can look at the call light as more of a positive tool. And hopefully this can, you know, inspire some projects on your unit to assess, like, why are people on the call lights? What can we do? Better. And use it as your unit project. I know everybody got a unit project. As you're trying to climb the ladder from CN1 to CN2 to CN3 to CN4, everybody's got to do a project. It looks good on your evaluation and something that's productive and can actually help not only your patient care, but maybe, hell, maybe you can use it for school. I know many of you guys are going back to school. You got to do projects, performance improvement projects. There you go. There you have it. But there are different ways that we can look at this. And I just wanted to share that advice. So I hope I answered that question. I hope that was helpful. No, I didn't. Was, wasn't able to summon a call light for us. But it, again, talking to your manager and your um, leadership team and your unit about what's going on with these freaking call lights. Because if it's a problem for you, it's a problem for everyone. And if it's a problem for everyone, it's definitely a problem for the patients. And We all want to be happy. I want the patients happy. I want to come to work happy. I want my colleagues to be happy so we can just get through this shift with good patient outcomes, safe, quality care. Everybody be happy so nobody quits and we can stay fully staffed. That's my goal, right? So guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast. You know, I love talking to you guys about this kind of stuff. Anything that I can do to help um, improve our practice, improve our profession, improve our personal peace, guys. We need peace as we're functioning as nurses, because there are several days where I'm like, "Mm -mm, I don't know if I'm going to be doing this much longer. So it's all mindset. It's about mindset. And I think that, you know, sharing these questions that we'll be doing moving forward will be a great help because you can, you'll know you're not alone in what you're feeling. And you can be like, man, I was thinking the same thing. And so that's why this is also a great opportunity for you to share the podcast, share with your friends, your colleagues, your classmates, your leadership, anyone else who is in the healthcare profession that might be going through something similar and who can relate and then also, if you have other questions, well, so please, if you have questions, don't feel afraid, submit your questions. You can hit me up or hit nurse.org up on social media, as well as email me at nurse Alice at nurse.org. That would be great. Let us know what you think of this podcast. Let us know of what questions you have, and we can get those questions answered here on the podcast. And until next time, guys, please make good choices. Be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.